Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 11 of season 2 of Holy Half Hour. My name is Michael, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Kieran. How are you, Kieran? Hello, hello, Michael. I am very well. How are you? I am super good, thank you. I am running entirely on adrenaline. As you know, Kieran, I recently had a, a small child. Um, a baby. We've got a baby, a little baby girl who's nearly a, lovely a month baby. old now. In fact... As you listen to this, listeners, our little baby will be a month old. And um, one thing I've learned about having a baby is that the joy is more joyous than anyone ever describes. And the tiredness is more tired than anyone ever describes. So uh, I am running on, 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 uh, on pure adrenaline at this point, Kieran. Wow. How are wow. you? Well, well, they say that they grow up fast, Michael, and I can't believe it's been a month that you've had a child. I know. I thought she was born last week. I know. It's Yes, it's crazy. I thought she was born yesterday. <laughs> it was quite nice when she was actually born yesterday, because I think uh, we went to, we had to go to a, an appointment at, at the hospital, and um, and they were like, oh, you know, when she was, when was she born? And we were like, she was born yesterday. And it was the first time in my whole life, Kieran, I've used <laughs> born yesterday. <laughs> Not as like, a, do you think I was born yesterday? <laughs> um, yeah, and it yeah. felt really weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Thankfully, your daughter wasn't born in a barn as well. Yeah, exactly. Although, if she had been born in Scotland, Kieran, there's a good chance she might have been. <laughs> she might have. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was born at I was born at home. Um, yeah, yeah, you were. Were you born at were. home, Kieran, or were you born in a hospital? No, I was. I was born in a hospital. Yes. Wow. I hear mm-hmm. that's a cool place to be born. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not well, gonna insult e- you over it. everybody's doing it. Well, not everybody, <laughs> but most people. Yeah. So, Kieran, we are um, we are a week or so into. I can't even remember. To be honest, all time time has lost all meaning with a newborn baby. We're some mm. na- we're some number of weeks into a second lockdown here in in England, and I know that in Scotland where you are, things are tightening up. So, have you been? How have you been staying? entertained how you've been staying cool calm and collected in this fun fun time well uh i have been at home a lot mm-hmm. uh because a lot of my work is from home now as well as everything else <laughs> <laughs> so i've not not been able to see my fiance for a few weeks so at the weekend we watched spider-man into the spider-verse because it's on netflix at last i wanted to see it for a long time such a i haven't seen it before and it is a great film. Such a great film. And uh, Michael and I began a debate, all, uh, backstage listeners, mm. about uh, what is the best Spider-Man film. Because I have not seen... Now, after Tobey Maguire, after that guy, if you remember listeners in the early 2000s, there were some Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. And they started good, and then we don't talk about the third one, generally. <laughs> uh, but then there was there have since then been a couple of different Spider-Men. Mm-hmm. And then there was this Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I've seen. I haven't seen the intervening Spider-Men. So for me, it's a toss-up between... It's a debate between who, which is better, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse or those early Spider-Man films with Tobey Maguire, which I still love, but definitely show their age. Michael, your thoughts? Um, well, I think two things. I think number one, if you haven't watched either of the two other two reboots of Spider-Man, you have no place having this debate. Number one, I mean, Gary, are here, they good? 
Well, I would say that, personally, that Tobey Maguire is the weakest of all of the reboots. I know that's really? a controversial mm. thing to say. Most people don't like the Andrew Garfield ones, but I actually thought he was quite good. Um, and I haven't watched all of the Tom Holland Marvel new extended Marvel stuff because I just kind of I checked out of it a little bit. But he's yeah. getting pretty good reviews. But you're right to say that the actual winner is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. By Country Mile, it's the best Spider-Man film. It's absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. It's, it's pure art. It's it, it's a smashing together of all these different genres. It's super inclusive. It's super, mm-hmm. you know, even, mm-hmm. oh, man, it's so well animated. It's beautiful. And also, like, even little details. Kieran, did you know that when the titular Spider-Man character is, like, learning, because he's is animated and he is animated at half the number of frames that the Spider-Men that are like good at being Spider-Men are animated at so his movement seems more jerky like the thought about every right. details it's so clever so good it's that's excellent a, that's a nice touch it is it is beautifully animated and I love the sort of like almost claymation look that mm. some of it has you know or the almost stop motion yeah. type thing uh, yeah I do love it but I do also love Spider-Man 2 the Tobey Maguire one from back in the day. It's the one, listeners, I'm sure you remember, with Dr. Octopus in it. <laughs> and it's just a brilliant film. They were directed by Sam Raimi, if mm-hmm. you remember, Michael, yeah, who's a very, very good director and has credits on some very famous films. A lot of them horror films, I think. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's brilliant about um, Spider-Man 2, classic Spider-Man, as I like to call them, <laughs> is, uh, but not like 60s or 70s Spider-Man. No. A classic early 2000s Spider-Man. One of the things I like about them is the visual effects, and a lot of that still looks really brilliant. And there's some genuinely kind of uh, surprising and unsettling moments in Spider-Man 2. It's very well directed. It's still a visual treat, even <laughs> after all these years. And uh, it's not a visual treat to the same degree as Spider-Verse. No. Absolutely not. No. But I still think it's a great film. Well, be that as it may, for me, it's a no contest, Kieran. And uh, I would love to know what you think, listeners. You know, you can get in touch with us. Hello at holyhalfhour.co.uk. You can find us at holyhalfhour on all the Instagrams. Please uh, just let me know if you think Kieran is wrong um, and that Spider-Man, Spider-Man and that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the greatest Spider-Man movie. Or, uh, you know, if you have a third different opinion, like maybe you like the Marvel ones, then uh, let us know, you know. If you'd like to join in with this debate, listeners, email the words Michael Wrong to hello <laughs> at holyhalfhour.co.uk and you'll be sent a link where you can vote. Yeah, those, those emails sometime through. in a few weeks, probably. They, get, they go straight to spam, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> I've marked those. Anything that says anything disparaging against me goes straight into the bin. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Unacceptable behavior. <laughs> well, Kieran, thanks for your thoughts on that. I'm glad that you're staying uh, entertained, even if your choice of entertainment isn't always as good as my choice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Speaking of entertainment, shall we seamlessly transition into a quiz? Let's do it. Okay, Kieran, we had some feedback um, on the uh, old emails and socials about my recent uh, couple of quizzes. And um, word on the street is maybe I went a little bit too <laughs> too complicated, <laughs> which uh, which is fair. 
And also, you know, because I got so into making elaborate quizzes, our last couple of episodes were on the long side. So I apologize, listeners. We're going to get straight to the point with this one. It'll be nice and, nice and easy, nice and clear cut. Kieran, a few weeks ago, I mentioned to you that there is a, a website out there where you can buy stuff for churches uh, and asked you mm-hmm. how much you might pay to, to have a pulpit installed into your house. Well, I've raided that website after all. And I've got things you can buy that usually you'd buy for a church. And I'm going to see if you can guess the price. I'm going to give you three options for prices and you can see how much they cost. How does that sound? Right. Sounds great. Good. Well, Kieran, if you had a church or if you just like to buy church things and put them in your house, you might be interested to find out what's the largest plain white altar candle that you can buy. How big big a (laughs) candle do you think you can get, Kieran? Plain white altar candle. Mm-hmm. Uh, in inches. In inches. Mm-hmm. Or feet. Uh, or feet. I'm going to say two feet. That's a pretty good guess. You can get a 42-inch by three-inch in diameter altar candle, which is uh, just a little shy. Well, it's between about three and a half foot tall. Just pretty tall. Okay. If you wanted one a single forty-two inch tall candle, would you pay twenty-one pounds seventeen pence, fifty pounds twenty-three pence, or eighty-one pounds eighty-three pence for a three and a half foot tall candle? <laughs> yeah, altar candle. Yeah, by three inch diameter. I don't feel like in the fifties region is a good good number. Yeah, you're gonna go with fifty pounds yeah. twenty-three pence. I would never pay that, but I think some people would. <laughs> All right, let's see. Hey, hey, good job. One is correct. Okay, Kieran, you've got your big candle, but you have a whole lot of holy water and you need somewhere to put it. So you're going to buy a stainless steel holy water <laughs> tank with an aluminium stand, which holds 15 gallons of holy water. <laughs> but how much are you going to pay for it? 835 pounds? £1,212 or £1,611. Now, Kieran, I know what you're thinking. And yes, you probably could put beer in it, but that probably would be sacrilegious. <laughs> <laughs> so 835, it, 1200 or 1600 If the beer is made according to German purity laws, is that okay? Mm, yeah, maybe. If it's made by monks, you might get away with it too. It, yeah. Yeah. Buckfast. <laughs> no, you definitely wouldn't uh, get away with putting Buckfast in it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Buckfast made by monks? I think it once was. I doubt it is still now. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. It would taste Fair better enough. if it was made by monks, I'm sure. Well, the other thing I don't know that I'm now curious about is how, how do you get holy water? I think but maybe you, that's a discussion yeah, for another time. I think you take water and then a, a person makes it holy by blessing it. Is, 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 they as bless it, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Thought it might be that, yeah. Yeah. But I think it you might come from some very holy place underground. No, I don't think so. I think in the now don't quote me on this because I only think I vaguely overheard someone say this once, so citation needed. But I feel like maybe in some churches you have to take your water to like a higher up in the church like a bishop on a special day and they bless like a whole load of water. I don't know. Anyway. Right. Not sure. Okay. But Point is, if you did have holy water, if you were lousy with holy water, Kieran, and you just needed somewhere to put it, how much would you pay for a 15-gallon <laughs> capacity urn for uh, holy water? 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the the expen- the most expensive one this time. Was it about 1500 yes. Did you 1611 say? £1,611. £1,611. Yeah. You're going to lock in with that one? Yep. Yeah. yeah, going with that. All right, here we go. Oh! Oh, nice. Two for two wow. already. Oh, mate. Okay, Kieran, you've sorted yourself out. You've got your big candle. You've got your holy water urn. But you need some church plate. Do you know what church plate is? <laughs> some church plate. Hmm. It's a category of church uh, stuff. Do you know what church plate is? Uh, it sounds like we're not talking about plates, like dinner <laughs> plates. You so, sort of yeah, are, please but continue. sort of not. It's um, all the kind of, um, it's the chalices, the the bowls, <laughs> it's all that kind <laughs> the of The chalices. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's plate because it's of usually course. like made out of metal and whatnot. Ah, uh, so I anyway, see. I see. On this website that I was looking at, there's lots of options for church plate, Kieran. But you... Are in the you're, you're, you want to save some time, so you're going to buy a set, a Gothic design <laughs> collection, elegant Gothic design with hexagonal base and filigree cutout ornamentation on node, all sterling silver with gold line cups. You get three items. You get a chiborium or a ciborium. I don't know. It's like a chalice of the lid. You get a chalice, and you get an open ciborium or chiborium or whatever, which is like a bowl. So you get. A chalice with a lid, a chalice and a bowl. Are you going to pay £3,252, £12,048, or £21,349? You're feeling flat. I think, yeah, well, I think it might be the middle one. Yeah, £12,048. I'm not really... Not really an authority on how much precious metals cost, <laughs> but I don't think this much silver costs any amount of these. I think it's more in the uh, it's more in the ornamentation and the execution I of see. the craftsmanship here. Mm, mm, well, fair enough, and a, and a substantial think, markup potentially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, most likely. I think the middle one. All right, let's take a looky. Oh, Kieran. No way. Yeah, it's no 12,048. Way. I'm getting too predictable in my old age, Kieran. That's what's happened here. <laughs> All right, well, two more, but you've already won. But we're going to do these ones for fun. So it's getting close to Christmas, Kieran. It's beginning to look mm-hmm. a lot like Christmas. And you want a nativity Everywhere set. I go. Everywhere you go. Um, But you want a big nativity set. You want a 32-inch scale, 12-piece nativity set. Yeah. Made from yeah, resin man. and painted, hand-painted figures. And the tallest are 32 inches high, which is quite tall. Some uh-huh. would say two foot, eight inches tall. <laughs> so you're going to pay 3,000... Taller than an altar candle. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm crashing you. Actually, in this case, it wasn't taller than an altar candle, was it? Um, oh, was it not? Okay. No, it wasn't. The altar candle was 42 inches. Uh. So you're going to pay £3,860.99, pence, £5,490.99, pence, or £7,770.99 pence for your new nativity set, Kieran. Mm. Hope you've got deep well, these sound, these sound like fancy, carefully crafted things. Well, they're cast from resin. But they're made, but they okay. are painted by hand, so it's not right, like they're right, handmade. Okay. But yeah, it's okay. either three thousand eight hundred, five thousand five hundred ish, or seven thousand seven hundred ish. 
I think 5,000. All righty, let's take a look. <laughs> oh, Whoa, it had to happen eventually. I was sweating yeah. there. It was actually 38699 <laughs> Oh, man. Because my, my other guess was going to be the most expensive one. So I definitely <laughs> was not getting that point. Yes, come on. Always go for the cheapest. That's what I should have learned. Um, we were really anticlimactic quiz every time. Nope, it was £4.50. Um, yeah. yeah, totally. Okay, Kieran, last one. We started with a candle. We're going to end with a candle. Now, the last one was a plain white altar candle. But did you know, Kieran, you can get some pretty fancy pants candles out there. Mm. You might want a Christus Rex Paschal candle which is four inch diameter by 60 inches tall, a five foot tall candle. A paschal candle, according to the internet, is a big white candle used in liturgies in Western Christianity. A new paschal candle is blessed and lit every year at Easter and is used throughout the paschal season, which is during Easter, and then throughout the year on special occasions, such as baptisms and funerals. And also, I don't know if I'm saying paschal correctly. So that's what it is, Kieran. And it's big. But how much are you going to pay for it? How big was it again? Sorry. Five foot. This big white candle. Five foot tall. So it is. Five foot tall. Wow. It is white, but also, here's some information for you. Artisans delicately apply all natural fine metal leafing to recreate the look of illuminated stained glass set in traditional Gothic frames. So it's actually decorated with all this like metal leafing and it's pretty fancy pants. It sounds very fancy. But. Is it fancy enough to pay £107 for it? <laughs> or £470 for it? Or £1,117 for it? How fancy is this candle? I mean, the paying a grand seems like pocket change now after what we've just <laughs> been through. So I, I'm going to go for the, the top one. I'm going to go for the 1.1k. So you're prepared to literally burn your money, Kieran? Yes. Let's have a look. Whee! Hey, nice. It was £1,117 for a fancy candle. <laughs> Good job, Kieran. Four out of five ain't bad at all. Man, uh, this is this is very interesting, Michael. Thank you, and a lot of fun. I'm now going to spend a bit of time uh, researching these things, <laughs> decking out my uh, my living room window nativity scene, which I'm now going to have. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, now, but no presents for family. <laughs> yeah, for the All next the ten years. All the money's going to go on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm just going to gently fade this part of the podcast out because I have opinions about spending this much money on things, uh, which I won't air. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely worship songs. Unlikely. Michael, for this week's unlikely worship song, I have put together something from. We're going all the way back to Genesis this week. And I wanted to have another go at a, a kid's song. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, Noah had the ark. He put lots of animals on the ark. Mm. Uh, so maybe there's an opportunity here to use this as a fun, fun educational tool for children. Yeah. We can learn about animals together. So yeah, because this, this song is a little challenge for you this week, Michael. Ooh. Um, 
this song includes the names of some animals, mm-hmm. and I just want you to see how many you can remember. Uh-oh. Uh oh. <laughs> there's quite a lot of them. So if if you got pen and paper, you could even write them down as we go. Oh really? Is that uh, cheating? But but this is well, there are a lot of them. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're going to be like grabbing them out of the air. You probably. might be showing your. Although cards, you have yeah. you have a very good memory. So, uh, but but. Uh, but even I'm going to struggle but, with this one. <laughs> but it's it's not uh, not a test, just all in good fun. <laughs> See how many animals you can name, Michael. Everything's a test, Kieran, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get this song ready. Let me just get a, a notes app open on my phone. Not that I, I, I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to hear any of these, but let's see. <laughs> Here we go. Noah. All right, Jenkins, did you do the job I gave to you? Yes, Mr. Noah. I counted all the animals onto the ark, two by two. Well, you can't be too careful. I'd hate to leave any behind. So grab that checklist, Jenkins. Let's check it one more time. Did you get the aardvark, albatross, aardwolf, antelope, ant, and the anteater? Yes. Did you get the beaver, bedbug, basilisk, batfish, baboon, and the badger? Of course. Did you get the camel, caracal, capybara, caterpillar, capuchin, chimera? I think Did so. Did you get the dogfish, dingo, drongo, deer, mouse, dolphin, and the dinosaur? Uh, yes. Did you get the emu, egret, echidna, electric eel, and the elephant bird? Well, what about the falcon, ferret, flamingo, flat-headed cat, and the frigate bird? Of course. How about the gecko, groundhog, gerbil, gopher, guar, and the gila monster? Yes. Don't forget the hornbill, hornet, hoverfly, hermit, crab, and the hamster. Oh, that's too many. Oh, nice Well, Michael, did you get those down? I did, I got them all sorted Um, (laughs) Amazing, I knew you would I'm not going to lie I want to hear the second half of that song Um, (laughs) So that was very, very good Um, Did you say Drongo? Pretty sure you said drongo. Uh, yeah, for D. is that? I th- is that yeah, an I think I, I did, I did. Well, it's an animal on the we- list I found on a website. What's a drongo? Uh, that's interesting. I have no idea. And, and you, I, I wonder if it was that's a, like one a, of those Australian insults. Well, I yeah, I wonder if I made me think. Is it like a, a slang term for an animal in mm. Australia that's also okay. also an insult? I don't know. Okay. So it may not actually be the um, scientific name yeah. for the animal. Let me. I think I have the the page right here. So let me click on. Uh, Drongo. Yeah, I want to know what Drongo what, is, man. What it actually tells us about it. Apparently, it's a bird. Mm, that's cool. So they must be like saying, Oh, you're such a Drongo. Like, you're a bird. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. really bad. Yeah, totally. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was quite good, man. That was quite good. Uh, feel free to use that again. Uh, yeah, I ca- this page has no information about where they're from. Uh, but according to this web page, it's a bird. Mm, that's interesting. Very interesting. That's a uh, good song, man. I liked it a lot. Um, and very funny. <laughs> and uh, some good animals in there as well. Uh, not sure there was a dinosaur on the ark. Not going to lie. thought that was a, yeah. maybe a bit of an anachronism yeah. there, Kieran. Mm, uh, and mm, did they well. did they put birds on there? Because you said, I'm pretty sure I heard a frigate bird in there, which was a good one. <laughs> I appreciate the <laughs> there were a bird. few birds. Um, <laughs> uh, that, Did you get any other birds? Well, the drongo, obviously. You got the drongo. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there there was another bird, another bird with the word bird in the name. Did you get that one? No, I was enjoying. I'd it. I'd never much. heard of it before. What was it? Uh, elephant bird. Elephant. Apparently, bird. that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I was actually researching a bit more about Noah this week, and. Um, 
there's this phrase for for words which only appear once in a in a, like a canon of something. So say for example, Shakespeare, all his written work only has one word in it. Uh, well, in the Bible, right. there's loads of these, and they're called hapex legomenon, which uh, means like mm. a word which only appears once. And the word like shovel. <laughs> yeah. Well, interestingly, like obviously, shovel may be a hapex legomenon. I don't know, but it's more like in right. the original Hebrew or the original Greek. Ah, I see. What okay, it does okay. is it means it's very difficult to translate the word because there's no no other context in which it appears. Um, and right, one right. of those is the type of wood that the ark is made of. Do you know what the Bible says mm. is uh, the type of wood, Kieran? It's also I, an animal. Uh, I don't remember. It says it is made out of gopher wood, ah. which is a hapax legomenon, which has just been l- transliterated exactly. So there's no no type of wood called right. gopher wood. They can't. They can't translate it because there's no other indi- there's no other occurrence of this word in the Bible. Some people think right, it was probably right. cypress wood, but they don't know for sure. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting about Noah. But yeah, it was a very very good song, Kieran. <laughs> I liked it very much, and I I like to think that I remember all the animals, but that would be a lie. <laughs> well, I've just looked up the elephant bird, and that is extinct. So uh, there, there may be there. I don't know how many of the animals on that list are actually extinct or or still still alive today, well. and how many of them are fictional. But I, I hope that all of the ones that made it into the recording, or at least were real at some point. Well, at least we know it wasn't Noah's fault that they went extinct. Well, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, listeners, uh, if you if you were playing along at home then you could let us know uh, <laughs> on the email or social media uh, what, what your score was. The top, 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 top three, three, three. Okay, Kieran, today's top three is uh, inspired by the game, which was all about churchy type stuff, things you can buy for church. So I thought, hmm, let's get some churchy type structures in the top three. So we've got church, temple, and tabernacle. Church, temple, and tabernacle. Mm. Now, while Kieran thinks, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what the top three is, what I've done is I've searched for the exact words church, temple, and tabernacle in the New International Version of the Bible, and Kieran has to rank them from least to most mentions. So, Kieran, what are you thinking? Church, temple, tabernacle, any thoughts? Yeah, I I think probably the temple comes out top. Mm. Um, I would imagine because of its prominence in the Old Testament and probably quite a few mentions in the New Testament as well. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, there, you know, uh, the word, I, re- I remember the word temple coming up quite a lot, even in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's probably up there. Uh, I think that... Mm, so church and tabernacle, that's the question then. Yeah, it's between church and tabernacle. I think pro- I'm going to guess church next and then tabernacle last. Yeah. So from least yeah. to most, you're going tabernacle with the least, then church in the middle and temple at the top. Yeah. And you're going to lock that yeah. in? I think so. All yeah. right. You're yeah. locked in. Let's gonna see what the sound that. effects department say. Oh. oh Was any of it friend. right? You were right. Temple is by far and away yeah, the most, yeah. 617, uh, around 500 of which are in the Old Testament. So you're right also to say that there's a bunch in the New Testament. 
Then it was Tabernacle, 125, and Church in third place with 81 mentions, uh, which oh, okay. are exclusive okay. to the New Testament, of course. Yeah, so, I, I, the order I was going to do, and then I changed my mind. Oh, I should have gone with your Honest. <laughs> Honest. In which it case, was. you win in reality. Yes. <laughs> Not. I always find a way to win the quiz <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. So. I'm always the winner in my mind. <laughs> and that's good. It's a good thing. You should always be the hero of your own story, Kieran. You know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Search for the hero inside yourself. <laughs> Absolutely essential. Bible facts. Coming at ya with some Bible facts. Michael and Kiaran with some Bible facts. Coming at ya with some Bible facts. Michael and Kiaran with some Bible facts. Okay, Kieran, it's my turn this week to give you a Bible fact, even though I already tried to sneak a Bible fact in. I don't know if it made it into the edit. I guess we'll find out. Um, This week, our Bible fact is about kings. Two weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen, I spoke about 1st and 2nd Samuel only being 1st and 2nd Samuel because they were too long when they were translated into the Greek to fit on one scroll. And that is also true of Kings and Chronicles. So we decided to group them together. Mm -hmm. So this week I am doing Kings as a whole. Next week Kieran's going to do Chronicles as a whole. So here is some things I thought about, about Kings, Kieran. Um, But a question for you first. Do you know that the Hebrew Bible is broken down into three main types of literature, Kieran? Have you ever heard of that? before yes i've I've heard of that yeah can you yeah. remember what those types of literature are i would say <sighs> that i don't know if this is the exact words that you'll have in front of you but mm. that broadly they are uh history prophecy and poetry mm, yes that is very true those are the liter those are often the literary types i guess i didn't make my uh i didn't really make my question very very accurate or clear i was trying to think i was trying to get to the idea of uh the hebrew bible being sometimes referred to as the tanakh and the torah is the law the nevaim is the prophets and the ketavim is the writings and those are the three types of like sections Uh, that the that the hebrew bible fits into i should have said sections rather than types of literature your answer was correct my question was badly worded um well now i'm with you so no worries no worries but what i was thinking was hey where do history books fit into law, prophets, and writing? Because there's not law, history, prophets, and writings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that got me thinking and reading and researching. And just thinking that actually, do you know, Kieran, where out of these three sections, law, prophets, and writings, where history books like Kings and Chronicles and Samuel fit in? Obviously not law, because that's a Torah, but do you think it's prophets or do you think it's writings? Hmm. I mean, you would think it would be writings. Hmm. Yeah, you would. I would imagine, just because prophecy tends to be concerned with what's still to come. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You know? That's exactly what I thought too. But actually, Hmm. these books fit into prophecy. Um, they're in the okay. prophecy section and there are loads and loads of prophecies within kings um, for example 
First Kings 11, 29-31 says, About that time Jeroboam was going out of Jerusalem, and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way wearing a new cloak. The two of them were out alone, out in the country. And Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into twelve pieces. Then he said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces for yourself, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. See, I am going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you ten tribes. And then the fulfillment of that prophecy is in 1 Kings 12, 15. It says, So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through Ahijah the Shilonite. And there are loads, if you look online or in a concordance or wherever you find your Bible facts, um, (laughs) prophecies within the books of Kings and fulfillments of prophecies within the books of Kings. And I think it just was interesting in my mind that that to read, like if we were to read these history books through the lens of prophecy, like if you went through them Mm. and literally highlighted in a certain color all the prophecies and then all the fulfillments of prophecies, I think it would be quite interesting because many scholars believe that first and second kings were written during the Babylonian exile as a kind of compilation Mm. of what went wrong. Um, they're a history of the people of Israel. They're a history of the battles, of the victories, of the defeats, of kings that honored God, uh, of kings that honored God and kings that didn't honor God. But ultimately what they are is a history of God's chosen people. And they show that God was always present with them. Um, even though it's history, it's so deeply ingrained with prophecy. And I think that's just really, right. really encouraging because reading Kings it can sort of feel like a laundry list of all the ways in which Israel fell short and messed up. Mm. But actually, when Mm. you read it through a lens of prophecy, understanding that it fits into the prophetic part in the Tanakh structure, it shows you actually maybe first and foremost should be God was always trying to lead them. God was always trying to bring them back to him. God was always uh, fulfilling what he said he would do. Um, and that's encouraging to us because we often go our own way um, and God is always with us. So, yeah, in a looking at kings through a prophetic lens, I think, can be encouraging. And the fact, if there's one in there, is that kings fits into the prophecy section of the Tanakh rather than the writing section of the Tanakh. Okay. What thoughts, my friend? Yeah, that's cool, man. And it is very affirming, I think, to, to view that section of uh, the history of the people of Israel as a as a story of God's faithfulness despite their unfaithfulness because um, we could you know and, and I think particularly now it's maybe more true than ever that when you look at uh, the way the world is and the way that people in power abuse that power mm. uh, that it's easy to look back over things like uh, you know kings and that record of uh, the leadership of Israel and think oh yeah well you know some things never change mm. people are bad you know, and sort of walk away with that as your conclusion. Um, but that's, you know, uh, that's a part of the, that's a part of the, the, the message, but it's not the whole message because the hope is, you know, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, that there is a, there is a greater king, there is a better king mm. and that God was faithful to his people uh, despite their, their unfaithfulness. Yeah, definitely. Amen to that. Bible facts. Bible facts. 
Well, Kieran, it's a pleasure as always to hang out with you, my friend. And uh, thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate every single one of you. You are awesome. Yeah, cheers, Michael. Likewise, and thank you, listeners. It's uh, been a blast once again. Yep. And like we said, if you would like to get involved, feedback, give us some songs of your own, ask us some questions, let us know your opinion, then you can get in touch with us through our social medias at Holy Half Hour. Facebook and Instagram are the ones we use the most. And also you can email us hello at holyhalfhour.co.uk. We love receiving uh, messages from you. So thank you to all of you who have messaged us already. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you folks. And uh, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.